Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of Draft Capital. Yes, this is our first episode, episode one. Unlike the abomination that is Star Wars episode one, we hope that you don't walk out of this having a large dislike for any human being talking like a Jar Jar Binks. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here. What do you think, Mike? Misa, Misa, not no. Ah, and he did it. (laughs) (laughs) He did it. He went there. So, for those that don't know, uh, this is Kent Wilson with Mike Gilly. Uh, We are uh, part of Draft Capital. We are the founders of Draft Capital, which is, well, what is Draft Capital? I guess we should probably get into that a little bit. Uh, Draft Capital is a new site that is launching this college football season, specifically focused uh, around the college football season, but as it relates to those who will be eligible for the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, All content uh, leading up and events and news, topics of discussion around college football, yes, but also uh, as it correlately relates to the NFL draft, which, as we all know, has become the number one offseason event uh, in all of pro sports. Let's Let's just be honest. Draws in hundreds of millions of viewers throughout the world. No other pro sport association, NBA, uh, one your 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 NBA draft is a joke. Uh, I, I'm not even going to go into all that sh- nonsense that people try and hype up the NBA draft. No one gives a shit about the NBA draft, and honestly, a vast majority of people don't give a shit about the NBA. Let's just be real. Um, NHL draft, that's a joke. MLB draft, that's a joke. MLS draft, I didn't even know that was a thing until last year. But the NFL draft has become the number one offseason event. There's a reason why in the year of COVID, it was the one, it was the first sporting event that was uh, televised in COVID was the NFL draft. Um, And they found a way to make it happen. So uh, that's what we're about. Uh, That's what we're looking to deliver. This podcast serving as the audio portion of our content as uh, we will also, of course, have content pieces, memberships, uh, and other goodies as uh, the site and everything evolves and the company evolves. Uh, and we are able to grow with a wonderful audience who loves college football, loves pro fo- football, and of course are draft fanatics like we are. So uh, with that being said, uh, Mike, I, I, I want to flip it over to you real quick and just kind of get your thoughts on this endeavor and anything you want to you want to share before we start getting into the nitty gritty of some of these things that we, that we wanted to talk about. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to go into, uh, you know, just who I am, who, what I'm about. Uh, I am a NCAA football fan, um, a big Tennessee fan, born in Tennessee, live in the Midwest now, but, uh, Tennessee's always at my heart. Um, and I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about football and uh, get, uh, you know, get involved with our listeners. So that being said, Mike, your thoughts on UT going to this year. They're under a new regime. Uh, uh, they got new athletic director. They've got new head coach in Josh Heupel. Uh, it looks like they are transfer for a while. There it seemed like they were transfer city with everyone wanting to bail. And now that we've got people coming in, program seems to be you know, stabilizing in energy levels. Uh, uh, I'm curious about your thoughts on UT season. 
and what your expectations are, not just for in the wins and losses, but for the Hypo era it, itself? Well, to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those UT fans that, you know, thinks it's going to be a championship season every year. Every time a new coach comes in, we're going to be champions. It's not, that's not what I'm about. I'm about realism. And honestly, um, you know, I know you said not with wins and losses, uh, but to start off, I just want to say that if we come out of here with a six and six season, I'll be happy. Uh, you know, some of our earlier games are going to be a lot easier, obviously, than than our mid-season games where we have Georgia and and uh, Alabama. But uh, honest, quite honestly, I'm I'm really excited to see what Josh Heupel is going to bring to the offensive side of the ball. So uh, you know, we're we're talking about Tennessee. Let's let's go to the other side of, you know, well, I say the other side of the state, but you know, the, the, other, the other aspect of Tennessee. Um, well, it is on the other side of the state. I well, mean, yeah, middle, I guess. But yeah, I mean. Well, you know, it's all Tennessee, but then you got that Vanderbilt spot in the middle. But when, when, when you what, got that it, Vanderbilt spot in the middle, Vanderbilt well, you know, was one of the original founding members of the SEC. But well, yeah, that's why, that's, that's why they're still why in they're, it. <laughs> That's why they're still there. So, exactly. <laughs> so what, what are your thoughts on on Vandy this year? I mean, Vandy. Well, for happen. starters, I was – okay, so I was shopping around the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I was in the shop in one of the malls, and I got to admit, Vandy's got some pretty nice gear coming out this year. Like, they're going, like, local with, like, a lot of their designs, and they're going, like – vintage on a lot of their designs i gotta say it's pulling me in the only reason why i didn't buy anything was because it wasn't long sleeve well i was gonna say something because uh you know vanderbilt just came out they just uh, announced some new uniforms yep well so what do you think are, are you are you a believer in flashy uniforms are you are you think that that's a good recruiting tool to be used uh for schools as far as getting big name players in there, so it's interesting you bring that up um, because it was. I, I do believe I could be wrong on this. I always get FIU and uh, FAU confused. I mean, to me, they're basically the same program, but I I, I know they're not. Um, right. But I, I want to say it's FAU that is the first to be doing this. They're doing this this year to where instead of player names on the back of their jerseys and yes i'm laughing at this because i think it's ridiculous but this is the era in college football that we live in where everybody's trying to be their own brand they're putting their social media handle where that's interesting is interesting the right Uh, word i mean (laughs) okay maybe not interesting uh it's different, okay. And I don't. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. And that's not <laughs> being not... an old man over here going. Oh, I don't like this. The way these kids are doing this nowadays. I like. I applaud the <laughs> university for thinking outside the box. I applaud their athletic director 
for thinking outside the box and trying to modernize how they can set themselves apart from the noise of recruiting from the Alabamas and the Floridas or even your, you know, Miami's, your, you know, Temples, Tulane, whatever it may be. And how can they set themselves apart? But I don't think that's the way you go about doing it. I just well, don't. I mean, traditionally speaking, it's it's a part of, you know, it. For someone that doesn't know the team, it's a part of player identity yeah, while what, you're watching the game. What am I going to be doing? Oh, and, like at Moody Booty 99. Right. Just made. At Two Shoes McGee. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I mean. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If I see somebody with at Two Shoes McGee, just the old school name, like Billy White Shoes Johnson or something, I'm going to love that. <laughs> but I, in this day and age, I doubt, one, there's even a guy – out there with the last name of McGee. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> Unless he's a, you know, actually, you know, probably a chick from like Australia or something. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he's a place kicker from Australia somewhere. There's That's some, right. There's some 17-year-old kid in Melbourne, Australia, with his arms around a kangaroo and got a koala standing at the end of a field holding its arms to use as goalposts, kicking kicking footballs you know place kicking trying to do field goals uh with at two shoes mcgee this time you get you get three points if you kick in the pouch (laughs) (laughs) is that aussie rules football that's right aussie rules (laughs) gotta go in the pouch (laughs) so to answer your question though um initially with vanderbilt i'm actually i'm intrigued um it's not like I grew up and going, oh my god, like I'm a huge Vandy fan or anything like that. I like Vandy. Nobody grows up a huge Vandy fan. Dude. When UT goes to Vandy, how much orange do you see in the stands? <laughs> I mean, that's all I, I'm going to say. It's a good point. <laughs> Georgia went to Vandy and it was a Georgia home game. LSU <laughs> went to Vandy and it was an LSU home game. Um, People just walking around salute each other. Doctor, doctor, doctor. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it is a great academic institution. Okay. I will give them that. And I mean, it is a, it I can't is say a, anything bad about them. I was born there. So. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And so was Coach Belichick. Um, <laughs> the future Hall of Famer, Bill Belichick, whose dad also was a coach at Vanderbilt uh, when Bill Belichick was a child. Fun fact for everyone out there. Um, but with Vanderbilt, I'm intrigued in the sense of, one, I do like the school. I do like the university. I have many ties to it uh, professionally uh, and through academia. So uh, I, I do have that, uh, that grounding uh, with the institution. Um, I'm also, I mean, as you know, but to our listeners, I follow many college football teams. Uh, Notre Dame uh, being one of the primary core, I'd say core four that I follow. Um, But with Clark Lee coming in as the new head coach coming over from Notre Dame as Notre Dame's uh, former defensive coordinator where he did amazing things there. I mean, that defense essentially got them to, you know, to the likes of competing against Alabama uh, and the rest of the, you know, major, you know, power schools in the country. Um, Ian Book, yes, is the most winning quarterback in Notre Dame history. 
Um, but let's be honest, he was taken in the sixth or seventh round for a reason. And he'll be lucky if he gets a practice squad spot with the Saints. Uh, but I'm interested to see what Clark Lee does. Um, Clark Lee, obviously, having went to Vanderbilt, associated with the football staff there, um, and having those ties, being from this area, has stated in many interviews uh, post-hiring uh, that Vanderbilt was his dream job um, and him coming in and seeing the immediate impact that they've had. Um, one, mm -hmm. the uniforms being a part of that, um, and him coming in and accepting that job was also a great signifier to the fan base of stability that was coming. Um, and of course, Candace Story Lee getting that higher right. Them working in unison on how can we breathe new life back into this program. Uniforms being one of those ways that you can do that as a signifier. Now, you, you, know, you know, this is what I do, especially being a UT fan. It doesn't matter how cool your uniforms are. You still got to go play on Saturdays, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're going to have the coolest uniforms in the, in the conference. And if you're not if you're not handling your business on Saturdays, yeah. you know, it's you're, you're not going to get right. Yeah. But what they yeah. have done that I've been really interested in, I've been, I've, you know, follow their athletic programs and, you know, those that uh, report on the team is – uh, they've gone through and they're going through a whole process of revamping their facilities, their weight room, uh, all their player facilities, essentially their student athlete center, performance center. Um, almost every major D1 school uh, has one. They're revamping that. They did a whole refresh and renew of the locker room. Much more modern, player-centric, locker room centric it looks really cool go check it out on twitter or facebook instagram whatever you follow on social you will thoroughly enjoy it the life that clark lee has breathed into this organization already has has started to embed itself with the fan base and start to revitalize now that still has to come for come out in the form of fan attendance like you were talking about at those games but even still, yeah, there's you know there's stuff going on. There's only one way that's going to fix things, and it's the age-old phrase of winning cures all. Right. Clark Lee comes in here. Honestly, a six and six season I think is very much doable with Clark Lee and Vanderbilt this year. I see a six and well, six season. You know, I have to I have to give it to Vanderbilt. You know, they're they're a, they've been a much different team than they were when we, like when we were younger. Yeah. You know, they've they've really come up and. Uh, started to establish themselves as a as well their their own hometown team so to speak uh i mean it's it's different when ut gets there obviously because they are the the main name brand even even through ut's shortcomings that they've had in these past seasons but Vanderbilt's, you know, it's got some clout. Uh, there, um, I remember a time when I used to watch Tennessee and Vanderbilt play, and I didn't worry about it. You know, these past few seasons, I've worried, <laughs> and you know, there's a reason for that. It's because, uh, you know, apart apart from their tuition, uh, <laughs> football is a big money maker. You know, and and uh, you know, they want to be. They want to be in the SEC. I mean, they are in the SEC, but 
they want to be a big name in the SEC. Yeah, they want to compete with the big boys in the SEC. For sure. And that hasn't really – it's interesting you bring that up too because that hadn't really been the case. For us growing up, we all would joke and we knew – Vanderbilt was in the SEC because they had originally helped found the conference, but all they really cared about was getting that endowment, that national SEC, you know, endowment that they would get for being a part of the conference. And it probably got put in a lot of pockets, you know, most likely, you know, and there's evidence of this in terms of, you can see it with the stadium. Their stadium still needs massive upgrades. It is old. Oh, yes. The sound for system, sure. my left ear hates their sound system. Um, because that's essentially the only audio that works in the stadium. You know, they announced that they were going to do all these upgrades to the stadium and, or plans. And then the first thing they announced is that they're adding bathrooms, which isn't a bad thing. They needed to, but that's not exactly the upgrades. Outhouses? (laughs) No, they're adding more bathrooms. Oh, more bathrooms. (laughs) I mean, it is Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they're, they're, they announced they're adding more bathrooms, which is needed. Yes, you know, it makes fans happy. Those aren't the upgrades we're looking for. You know, we're looking for, you know, we need a new Jumbotron. We need a new audio system. We need somebody that actually is not like over the age of 45 managing the game day music and still playing, you know, stuff from the club back in 1999, 2000, 2001. If I have to hear one more Usher, yeah, coming out of that one good speaker on the south end zone, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, well, if, you know, yeah. But, and, and, and those upgrades will come in time, you know. Uh, yeah, winning the problem is all. Past, this past season, uh, a lot of schools lost a ton of money. Yeah. And, well, they never know, invested in that they never invested their money into the program that was the biggest right. problem and well, players yeah. had came out post career there and have stated recently and actually finally started stating that they it was almost like the university didn't care about them well yeah they they cuz Vanderbilt you know they've well, I mean let's be honest Vanderbilt has always been known for its academics yeah and um you know, sports has just been kind of a second, second tier to what the school is. Yeah. And as more more players speak out, I think you'll start to see more attention being paid to the things that they need. Well, it for. did, and as the yeah. reports started coming out, it led to Candace Story Lee being hired. It led to an entire overhaul uh, of that program, and uh, whether. It wasn't just fans of the team that were coming out. It was people that were just looking at it here in the area and going, you know what, that's wrong. You know, you need to take care of these people. You need to, you know, it was people really getting behind and pushing the stories forward and making sure they got amplified enough to where the university was forced to make those decisions because if they didn't, then they're essentially admitting that they were just taking the SEC money, pocketing it, and didn't care about the players. Which at well, that point you know, you've just killed all recruiting, right? Well, because you, you see, you see how big Nashville's getting nowadays. How much oh, yeah. upgrading is going on? How yeah. much developing is going on around the city? You can't, you can't develop the whole city around Vanderbilt and not 
develop a staple like that, you know, in that city. That if, I mean, Vanderbilt is it is Nashville. You know, it's a part of Nashville, and um, you you can't do that to to a staple that's been there for as long as it has. Yeah. Yeah. People see that uh, players see that, you know, uh, employees that work for, for the program, see that happening. You're, you're 100% correct. You know, you can't develop around the city of Nashville. You can't develop around Vanderbilt, uh, and then just say, okay, well, we're not going to invest in, in this prime program that we have sitting in here in the most prestigious conference in all of college football and just let it sit there. So I really enjoy what Candace Story Lee has been doing. Uh, the decisions that she's been doing are very calculated. She's taking uh, input, you know, and, and listening to those around her. I think she's done a great job so far. I think Clark Lee was a home run hire. I'm really looking forward to what he's doing uh, or what they're going to do this year. Again, winning cures all. That money starts pumping back in. It's, you know, it's going to start going back to the players. Because, I mean, they've seen it now. Like, I honestly think the best thing that happened to Vanderbilt football was Vanderbilt baseball. Okay. Because they saw when you build a championship program where you are expected to compete now, Vandy didn't win the championship or didn't win the World Series this year. They came close. Honestly, I think they got a little too cocky and thought, oh, well, we're Vandy. We're just going to walk in there you know, and do our thing, um, you know, they got caught sleeping. But what they have done with the Vandy Boys program and what they have done with that uh, that side of their athletics, it showed them, you know, if we invest in the right people, if we invest in our student athletes, if we invest in our facilities for those student athletes, man, we can compete with the best of them. Right, and I, I, I honestly, honest to God, think the best thing that happened to Vanderbilt football was Vandy baseball, because that showed those chancellors and those board directors, and it showed those that handle the money. You know what? If we actually put just even ten percent more effort into this, we get the right hire, we get the right man for the job, and we get. You know this thing going in the right direction it can be huge and I, I think they have an opportunity you know in front of them right now you know your sidewalk fans you know that's kind of what I call them they're not they're not diehards that they, they can't tell you every head coach in the history but you know they're looking for something to do on a Saturday there's nothing going on they don't want to drive to Knoxville or you know Knoxville's an away game whatever it may be you know I think they can capture those sidewalk fans where they're going, oh, hey, you know, that hoodie looks really cool. I'll buy that. Oh, yeah, I can support Vandy. I just moved here, you know, don't know much about the area. You know, my college doesn't really have a team, you know. Yeah, I can right. support those fans or, you know, those that they can re-engage and get back into the program. I think they have an opportunity to capture that. I really do. Well, you know, and, I mean, you have the Titans. You have – Mm -hmm. you know, the Preds, you have, you have things to do in Nashville, but I think a Saturday where you're just walking around Nashville and you're like, we should go to a football game. We should go watch Vandy. Just, you know, 
it's is very accessible it's a very accessible area oh god yeah yeah to, walkable to people hell. just to go in and yeah. hang out watch yeah. a game you know and it's got a very the stadium itself has a very I, I'm not going to demean Notre Dame here. It's a mini, it's a mini Notre Dame stadium is how it feels. You know, uh, it's very charming, very, uh, I can't think of the word for it right now, but when you, when you're walking in, you go into that stadium, it, it's got that old school football feel to it. Like you feel like you're in the presence of, of something, you know, uh, uh, prestigious. It's it, it's got a level of prestige to it, and I think they can build off that environment. Um, I, I call it mini Notre Dame. Uh, Vanderbilt is the Notre Dame of the South, in my opinion. But it's a good point. Yeah. Um, and so if they I build up their program, they could be the Notre Dame of the SEC. Right. I could see that for sure. And um, that's what I want them to become. So you mentioned earlier that you've got multiple teams, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. that you follow. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I kind of wanted to know what your thoughts were on um, uh, Marcus Freeman, you know, the uh, defensive coordinator that was hired to replace Clark Lee uh, at, at Notre Dame. What do you think he's got in store for Notre Dame? Uh, what, do you, what do you think things look like for them? Honestly, I think Brian Kelly is going to he's going to let uh, Freeman do his thing, but I, I honestly don't think he's going to give him too much of a leash. Um, I, I think they have a way that they want to go about doing that. Brian Kelly's teams have always been known for having great have, having solid defense, and that's because uh, you know he overlooks that um, and he kind of helps he helps coach his coaches along. Um, he helps uh, in, in that learning process, um, but I don't think he's going to ha- let Freeman just kind of go off and start doing his own thing. I think they're going to stick to a lot of the success that they found uh, over the past you know, five years, obviously with Clark Lee helping to establish uh, you know, as a top defense in the nation. Um, say what you will about Notre Dame. There's a lot of people that hate Notre Dame just to hate on them, um, but they are known for defense and they produce defensive players every year in the draft. That's a fact. Um, so I think we can expect similar of what we found under Clark Lee the past few years. Um, and, you know, really seeing that scheme, I think they're going to still get after the quarterback. Um, not just from the uh, defensive end side of things, but bringing those linebackers down. Um, you know, we saw, uh, several, not several. We saw a couple of their linebackers get drafted in the draft. Um, one of which I think is going to be a huge stud once he recovers. And I'm kind of disappointed that the Titans didn't pick him up because I think he would have been a great sleeper. Um, but I think we're, we're still going to see that. Um, I think he, Freeman is coming into a position to where he is inheriting. And I, I know I'm going to make waves on this. And I honestly don't care. Because oh, don't make waves. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm about that violence. I'm bringing that violence. So I'm going to say this. All right, you ready for it? I'm ready. Lay it on me. Kyle Hamilton. So Freeman one is inheriting Kyle Hamilton, but he is inheriting 
who I believe will have a Charles Woodson type college football career. Okay. And I honestly think Kyle Hamilton will be t- come a Heisman voting. He is going to be neck and neck in being the top candidate for the Heisman Trophy. And so what part of that do you think is going to make waves? Is that because because so many people doubt his abilities or, I mean? Well, comparing anybody to Charles Woodson. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Come on. It's like when the early days of Tom Brady, when people were comparing to Joe Montana and everyone clutched Uh, them. Oh, my stars. He just said, he ain't Joe Montana. Come on. Yeah, I hear you there. Charles Woodson just went in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend, as well as Peyton Manning. And his college career was legendary. Heisman Trophy. Old Michigan. Yeah, well, fuck Michigan. But I'll give game respects game. And I respect Charles Woodson a whole fucking lot. And Kyle Hamilton won for starters. Go check out our article on draftcapital.com. Top five 2022 draft eligible players to watch this college football season. Uh, we'll, we'll do that little plug there. We got we got to plug the the content there, Mike. Yeah, um, for sure. But you're talking about a six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound safety that runs a four four. Some think it may even nice. rub run a sub four four forty. I, I, I want to highlight how freakish of a specimen that is. Cause, like, there, there's a way I can describe this for you right now. Okay. Derrick Henry. Okay. Yeah. King Henry, who is the best running back in the NFL. I don't care who anybody says. He's the best running back <laughs> in the NFL. We're watching a potentially Hall of Fame player. Okay. Derrick Henry stands at 6'3, 245 pounds. So okay. Not only is Kyle Hamilton an inch taller right. than Derrick Henry, he only he weighs one twenty-five pound dumbbell less. You're right. Imagine that coming at you at safety. Just running downhill, screaming at you as you're you're breaking through. You're a five foot ten, you know. 200 pound running back maybe coming through you're the scat back you know you're 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 head out in the flat on the screen and then this mammoth of a human being comes screaming at you at 20 21 miles per hour and just lays the fucking wood on you and knocks your dick just right in the dirt well he definitely he definitely improved so like 2019 you're looking at 41 tackles 2020 with less games in 2020 mm-hmm. 63 tackles yeah so he improved with what two fewer games i don't know how many, how many games did uh notre dame play last year it was yeah. 10 so you're talking major improvement with less games so he's definitely developing yeah. do, do you want to hear a, a stat that i look at one huh. he's had a combined 16 interceptions 
Okay, in pass breakups. Um, on only 54 career targets. Think about that. That's very impressive. That is really impressive. I got to give it to him. That's almost 50%. That's that's around it's a massive stat. 35-40% of the balls that come his way on targets have either been in- intercepted or broken up. That's nuts. Right. And that's at safety. Right. So, yeah, I, I, he will be the top safety in the draft. I think he is going to be neck and neck for a Heisman finalist, and rightfully so. I am looking forward to watching Kyle Hamilton play this year. Marcus Freeman is inheriting a beast of a human being, and it's going to be fun to watch. I, I am a big Kyle Hamilton fan. Hambone. You're about to make me. You're about to make me watch some Notre Dame games this season, dude. Man. Like seriously, like it's it's gonna be nuts. I'm also interested to switch the topic here a little bit. Um, I'm interested in watching this quarterback battle because uh, Wisconsin. We got a Wisconsin transfer in Jack Cone, and I I think Cone's gonna push. Hard, like you got Drew Pine there, and I think Cone's gonna end up. Um, I think he's gonna win in that starting job, and I think we're gonna see, obviously, a much different offense than what you were able to find under Ian Book. Ian held on to the ball way too long, um, he, you know, which led to a, a fuck ton of sacks. He didn't know how to give up on a play. Never learned how to throw it away, and. Yeah, that created some for some exciting plays, but it created a lot of dead offensive possessions to where that defense had to play lights out, game in and game out. Um, I'm looking forward to a classic quarterback that can come in and just sling that rock around. So uh, I wanted to kind of switch gears here and delve into what. You know, one of the many things that everybody's talking about is the SEC expansion that's going on right now. Um, obviously, there's a lot of positive and negative that's going to come with this, depending on what side you're coming from. Um, so I was—I just want to start off by kind of getting your views on what do you think are the pros of this expansion coming into for the sec right now well for starters i need to share my thoughts on something else first and i gotta say i'm loving your npr voice it's very calming it is very (laughs) soothing i feel like it should should just like there there's a lot with it that i'm really liking it's it's like bringing my my uh ut hatred down a little bit like, okay. It's kind of disarming in that, but your NPR voice is really, really. That's some big cr- words. That that's <laughs> big words from somebody that's sent me text messages in the past several seasons, saying "Touchdown Tennessee." That's and all because that. I know you get excited about it, and <laughs> it looked like they were actually doing something there for a minute, and there was some hype around it, and then as it goes with UT. They trip over their own dicks and can't help themselves. Yeah, but that happens. Um, <laughs> okay. How to tie their shoes so they don't keep tripping over their yeah, shoelaces. Right. So, no, oh. topic of SEC expansion. Uh, you were asking about pros and cons. Um, yeah. 
Well, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of pros to it. Uh, the, the, Texas and Oklahoma would have left. And there are literally millions of pros that Texas, Oklahoma, and the rest of the SEC are able to look at right now. And that's in the form of millions upon millions upon millions of increased revenue stream as they build this mega conference, right? Right. Because, I mean, that's what it's about. That, that, at the end of the day, that's all they care about is how is this going to generate millions of additional revenue for us with these two powerhouse programs leaving the, a weaker conference. Right. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I definitely do see that. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, I think there's obviously going to be some cons involved with the sec as well um well mainly i think for texas and oklahoma moving to the sec it's going to be a i think it's going to be not so much a culture shock but they're they're going to understand what football is college football is once they start playing in the sec yeah they're used to being top dog coming from the big 12 almost like every year damn, damn near every year and uh, now they're with the big boys, and I think it's going to take them a second to realize they need to up their game. Um, it definitely does bring in more money, not just for the SEC, but for them and their respective schools. Uh, and they're definitely going to benefit from that. Uh, they're also going to benefit from uh, recruiting being able to recruit more. I mean, they're, they're already big names in the recruiting field as it is right now. But now that they're in the SEC, a conference that you would be um, – how do I put this? Mm, naive to not want to be in, right? Because – crazy to not want to be in. Right, you'd be crazy I mean, to not want to. Let's play not mince words. We're not, you know, we're not hurting anybody's feelings here. Let's let's just right. see how it is. So, they're going to benefit from recruiting. Uh, on the flip side of that, the other SEC schools are going to have to. Uh, they're going to have to learn how to share with two more teams, the recruiting field with two more teams. So, who's you know, who is going to go to? you know, Oklahoma or the Longhorns that may have gone out of state just to be in the SEC, now they can stay in state and be in the SEC at the same time. So are the other teams going to uh, be hurt in their recruiting from these two teams coming in? I don't think so. I mean, that's a question I'm going to I think if you were going to go to Texas – and you were thinking about going to Texas, they don't care about the conference. If you if you're a kid coming and you're growing up in you know Tyler, Texas, or you know, in, you know anywhere around there, or even in parts of Oklahoma, or you know, you're you know you're living somewhere else in the country, and Texas is coming. I don't think they're really caring. The player isn't caring about the the conference. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're looking at the school more. I think the conference has something to do now, and the conversation is going to be less about. You're, you get to play in the SEC. It's going to be 
playing in the SEC will get you more exposure to this. And those right. are the conversations that coaches are going to those living rooms having. You're going to get exposure through these nationally televised games now that you so wouldn't have a, gotten before. More of the ability to use that SEC sales pitch. Yes. This is so what be this is what us being in the SEC allows us to do as a program in terms of visibility and if like what we were talking about earlier if you're a program like an FIU or an FAU that's having to do these gimmicks of oh we'll put your your hashtag or your your you know and by the way like people that are hearing me talk about this I'm a 13 year digital marketing vet former agency head senior executives on the marketing side I don't make fun of digital I make fun of gimmicks like this. I make fun of people that use digital as a gimmick, especially in this case for recruiting, to put on the back of your uniform. I honestly think a player's going to look at that and they're going, you're a fucking joke. That's your, that's your sales pitch to me? Oh, I get to put my Twitter handle on the back of my uniform? Motherfucker, right. show me what the visibility is going to be for me. Which nationally televised games am I going to be on? Can my aunt, can my uncle, can my mom, dad, brother, sister, cousin, best friend, whatever, see me on ESPN, lighten it up? Show right. me that. Because that's what coaches are going. That's where Nick Saban goes in that living room and his dick's already been there for fucking 15 minutes before he even arrives. And he's throwing that those down and saying... We got 10 nationally televised games this year. Our entire schedule is nationally televised. Right. No, I can definitely see how that will be a, a pro for them as far as recruiting goes. Because for ratings sure. for the SEC are now going to go through the roof because they just added Texas and Oklahoma to it. And it's funny because they were looking at Oklahoma State and all these others. Man, it didn't even come close. Those ratings didn't even come close. So it's like Florida State uh, was like, oh, well, we want to be in it. Florida State's viewership, may, I think, brought in like their games brought in maybe like 800,000 viewers last last year. That's it? That's it. Wow. So no, Florida State, we don't fucking want you in the SEC. Honestly, your brand just ain't big enough. Right. Clemson makes sense because they've been building a program for years and they've been in, you know, the championship. But everyone is waiting to see what does a post-Trevor Lawrence era look like for Clemson. Now, granted, you had Deshaun Watson right before that, too. So uh, taking a look at Clemson's quarterback, I can't pronounce his name for the life of me right now. Um, but, you know, he played in a few games last year. You know, did some things. He looks promising, but um, yeah, I think I think Texas and Oklahoma leaving, uh, and I think the pros of it are far outweigh the cons, or else they wouldn't have done it. I mean, you're talking about lifelong businessmen. That's what they're looking at, and businesswomen. It's it's a business transaction. Yeah, you're you're right in that. Um, on the negative aspect of things we have the big 12 what now in my opinion i think there's a i don't see i don't know if the big 12 is big enough to get through this unscathed um 
I don't think any of them are big enough to get through it unscathed. Right. So I think they're going to have to pull in, and there's not that many big big teams left out there that they can, I think, pull in to the Big 12 to at least not the size of Texas and Oklahoma. Um, yeah. That they're going to be able to pull in and, and stop this this bleeding, so to speak. But I think, is there a real possibility that the Big 12 doesn't survive this? Mm, I think they survive. I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to go away by any means. Um, I mean, you still got Nebraska. And Nebraska isn't, you know, they're, they're no middleweight. I mean, Nebraska is a heavyweight program. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember. I think it places a lot of value on Nebraska's recruiting capabilities now. I, I think they yeah. really have the ability to come in and be like, well, we're the fucking big dog. You know, um, Oklahoma State, you know, isn't gonna, <laughs> you know, they just, they just, they're walking around with their tail between their legs. Um, you know, I, I think there's definitely, obviously, you know, they've got things they have to improve on. You know, Baylor is more of a well known commodity, Kansas, you know, um, West Virginia. So uh, you still got some big names in there. I think Baylor's a little bit more of the undertow. Texas Tech isn't, you know, they're not nobody. Um, TCU had some good seats. I mean, you've got some smaller regional brands, and they've got some power. You know, West Virginia really being part of that group, which honestly I have no idea how the hell West Virginia got in there. Honestly, I think West Virginia needs to move to the ACC. It's just like we need to we need to be somewhere. Big Twelve, will you it help us out? It's so weird, just like how that happened. Um, but I think yeah, I think West Virginia needs to go to the ACC. Um, but um, they they still have they still have you know power in there. But I think Oklahoma and West Virginia really are now the two dominants with probably Texas Tech coming in third. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm curious about what that's going to mean. Now, I can say this. If West Virginia goes, well, we're no longer interested because ratings just went through the fucking, went down. Right. You know, because they're not playing Oklahoma and they're not playing Texas. And they're going, well, our ratings just went down. And then they're going, we want to go to the ACC. And you start seeing these other teams having to question their commitment to the Big 12 based on not having the visibility that playing those games against Oklahoma and Texas got you. Now you Mm -hmm. have a problem. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what those viewership numbers are this year um, and what that looks like. Because if you see that viewership for those games, like, dip dramatically i would be surprised if you saw a big 12 game this year reach over five hundred thousand people really yeah and i think if it dips to that the rest of the teams in the big 12 are then going it doesn't make sense for us we need to get into a conference that's going to put eyeballs because i can't walk into those living rooms and tell my players 
that they're getting eyeballs on them because that's what right. they want. So, let's see here. What do you think, though? Like, what are your pros on it, or what do you see happening with the Big 12? Um, honestly, honestly, I don't know where to start. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to get – I mean, yes, they have and it some may be power. obvious to us, but it may not be obvious to our listeners. Right. So they do have some powerful – they do have some power when it comes to the schools that are still there. But if you're talking about, you know, the money situation with the Big 12, um, you know, they're going to potentially drop uh, – their the I mean, the conference is going to potentially drop their money, their income by half, losing Texas and Oklahoma. And you're talking about, you know, they're going to want to fill those two spots, I'm assuming, with newer schools that can help bring in more revenue, uh, more viewers, as, as you were saying. I just don't know where they could go right now or where they're going to look at to, to get those names um, as it sits. I mean, it's, it's still it's still kind of fresh and out there right now. So, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, uh, the big 12 website right now. They still have Texas and Oklahoma on their website, you know, so nothing's changed in, in that, in that aspect yet. <laughs> but, um, it's going to be interesting to see, to see what happens. You know, uh, I've heard of a potential merger, of schools in the Pac-12 and Big 12. I mean, but if you do that, you're going to have what? 12, 13, 20 schools in that conference. That's going to be yeah, a big conference if they merge. Yeah. So I think that might be out of the realm of things if everybody merges together. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say right now. I'm, I'm, also interested in the effect that it's having on the rest of college football in the sense of the conversations that are now having to take place. Um, we've seen the ACC um, having discussions about realignment and expansion, the Big Ten possibly. Um, I honestly think something will happen in the Big Ten before we see something, anything happen in the Big 12. Um, I could see the Big Ten expanding um, mm -hmm. and, and swallowing up some of these other universities. Um, I mean, it's quite possible they could they could bring in a Kansas, you know, to where they could dip into the uh, the Big Twelve, and we start to see uh, some of those schools start to emerge uh, within there. I mean, I could easily see a Kansas or a uh, Iowa State you know, going to a, a Big Ten. I can see Oklahoma State going to a Big Ten, to be honest with you. Um, so if so, if you've got Kansas, you know, other teams from the Big 12 moving to different conferences, that's going to further hurt the Big 12. I mean, yeah. how can you not see the Big 12 dissolving if they lose more teams? Yeah, if they lose more teams, yes. But I don't see them like going under this year. 
they're, they're going to okay. have to wait to see. They're, they're going to want to see what the data tells them in terms of viewership, in terms of just how big of an impact. They know the impact immediately just based on what they've seen historically, but they want to see if they can grow it or at least maintain uh, without having to bail water too much. I'm curious, though, uh, outside of the Big 12, what this is going to mean for the other conferences. And like I was saying, specifically the ACC and Big 10. One, because I thoroughly enjoyed watching Notre Dame and the ACC last year. I've been a proponent for a long time that they need to move out of the independent conference, move into the ACC, and actually maintain a schedule and maintain a viability in a conference that's actually going to generate more. Being in the ACC is a many, many massive pros for Notre Dame. It's many massive pros for the ACC and the teams in the ACC. So they need to find a way to get Notre Dame to become a full-fledged member of the ACC. It's more money, it's flexibility and scheduling, uh, and it being able to stick, it's just, it just makes sense for everything. Um, so I'm curious to what that looks like because I think the ACC needs to expand. Um, and I also would like to see the Big Ten expand just to see it maintain. I want to see the, it more in the sense of a, um, an experiment because you and I grew up in the South. We chant SEC at games, right? You know, the SEC is the conference in all of college football, and no no one rivals it. And you hear these stupid asses from Ohio State and Michigan and, you know, other Big Tens. Uh, I'm going to use those two mainly because that's who you hear from the most. Talking about the Big Tens, the best of conference. Motherfucker, shut up. The <laughs> SEC is the top conference in all of college football, and I want to see if they can put their money where their mouth is and keep up. Because if they can't, here's something for you. Does the Big Ten dissolve in five years? Right. Well, you know, so there's talk of, you know, now that the Big 12 is in this position, there is talk of, you know, possible expansions with the ACC, possible expansions to the Big Ten. Nah, ACC needs to I be mean, on its own. Possible expansions into, uh, oh, I just, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, so, it'll be a big hit to see the Big 12 go. But I think if we can get, if, if more conferences get, expand, then, I don't know. I don't know. It's just hard to predict anything right now. They, Texas and Oklahoma threw a wrench into everything, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's it's just kind of wild and crazy right now. I think, and I, yeah. I'm looking forward to see what what happens. You know, if we see more expansions come from this, if we see the big a Big Twelve merge, I mean. It's it's just it's changing the face of the NCAA for forever, yeah. And it's affecting everybody. So it'll it'll uh, be interesting to see how everything how everything you know lies once it's all said and done. I agree, um, and, and that's ultimately what it does. It, it gets the conversations going. It allows us to have these discussions. Um, 
I'm I'm interested to see what it does as well, um, just for the nature nature of things and for the discussions that end up going on. Um, but you ultimately, know, I think it's going to be good. And in another aspect of things, you know, is this potentially going to help expand the playoff system? Is this going to change the, the face of the playoff system, how that works? That's a you whole know, other got, discussion. Right. I think we should, we should write that down and pen that in for episode two, along with the NIL, which, yes, we're giving a little bit of tease there. Episode two, NIL discussions, uh, which is going to be really interesting uh, due to Mike and I's uh, viewpoints on it. But that being said, um, I think that's a wrap on our first episode. Draft Capital's yeah, we, inaugural episode. I think we appreciate everybody for being here and for listening. And uh, we hope you come back and, you know, hope you enjoyed the discussion. And uh, we do have a Draft Capital Twitter up and going. So feel free to yes. reach out, hit us up on Twitter, let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, you know. Yes. We, we appreciate will, you. Thank you. That's uh, Twitter at draft underscore capital. Uh, you can find it there. Uh, content will also be posted there as we start to produce it um, and start to pump it out. And uh, for, for your reading and listening pleasure, uh, we are going to get a schedule in terms of what you can expect uh, moving forward. But yeah, greatly appreciate those that end up listening to this. We will be starting a Twitch channel as well, uh, as well as YouTube. Eventually, this will be audio and visual uh, video as well, so you can follow along and watch as we go through our shenanigans and our, our conversations. But uh, for those that end up listening, thank you. Uh, this is Draft Capital, and we will talk to you all soon. Take care.